Well, it's really great to be here. It's a real privilege, in fact, to be at such a fantastic uh, service. And what's, I'm just going to put a microphone down because I'm going to flip it over or something like that. Um, Mark Cameron is not here tonight. He's our worship director. He's an incredibly lovely, generous person. Um, uh, he has lent me this. In, where I come from, lent means give. So he's given me this. Um, and it's called a digital delay. And it's a very exciting device. How many other people in here are excited by this device? Oh, there's a few. That's very good. Anyway, this is a digital d delay. And what's marvelous about this is, uh, hopefully Simon's, Simon's there. He's going to show you in a, a minute. If you're a guitar player, you know, I, I'm not sure if I'm a guitar player. I have a guitar. I like making noise. I tell you, what I do is I like making noise. So when you're standing next to your amplifier, your trousers wobble like that. So you, that, that's the only thing I like about playing it, making your trousers wobble at the bottom. But... Um, this, this is great because it sort of doubles the intensity of that wobble. And um, it's called a digital delay, and it's really like an echo box. And, and one of the great things, I was playing around with this echo box at home in the middle of the night, and on it, hopefully you can see it there, you've got E level, that's echo level. Is that, is that okay? And you've got F back, which means uh, feedback, okay? That's the only technical stuff you need to know, so I'll put that picture up there just to help. Can you see it? The E, it's the the one on the left and the one second to the left along. Now, if you turn the effect echo level all the way up to the top, that means when the echo comes out, it comes out at exactly the same volume as you made it. Okay, does that make sense? So you go bang, bang, like that, and all this type of stuff. And then this feedback um, button here, this feedback knob, it's very interesting because it goes all the way around to 10. If you're a guitarist, you like the number 10. You prefer the number 11, but number 10, <laughs> number 10 is great. And, and, and what it is, if you start at number one, it, sort of, it will go bang, bang, like that, and, and that's it. That's, that's, so it's very disappointing, ultimately. But if you're a musician, apparently you can do some interesting things with it. But if you turn it up to number 10, it goes on forever. So you can turn on your amp, and you can play a note, and you could have, that note could live with you for the rest of your life. It just goes, boom, boom. I did it the other day. What I did was, I turned off my amplifier, but not this. And then I came back to it and turned back on my amplifier, and what was being played before was still being played, and this was about 48 hours later. So it just goes on and on and on. It's fantastic. So can you just give us a demonstration of what, it, what, what, what this is like? So if you... Great. And we're going to, we're going to keep that going now for the rest of the evening. Is it, what we'll do is, can, can you see how it's just going to go on and on? If you can keep it down, and we'll keep on revisiting it to see if it's going on, because there's an echo happening, and that echo is going to carry on, and that echo is going to be uh, very important. I don't know if you, if you like bands like U2, apparently, are coming back into fashion, because they've been on telly a lot recently. The Edge has made a living out of playing one note and putting it through an echo unit, <laughs> and done very well. He's very good. I'm not, I'm not, he plays that note very well, but bands like Radiohead, they're a, no, you don't know, God. Pink Floyd, some of you will know Pink Floyd, because there's people with no hair in church. Um, starting to get a paunch now. So, uh, but, you know, it makes a big, thick sound, and the, it's a really important effect in, in, if, you're, if you're a guitar player. It's still going. Can you hear it? It's very good. There we go. It just, and where's Simon? 
There he is. Over there. See, no tricks here. It's very good. It's a lot of fun. Now, the reason I bring this up is this passage is what's called a pre-echo. A pre-echo. And uh, something significant is happening uh, here. A pre-echo is like a technical term. Uh, and this word pre-echo is sort of, it's, something is echoing here before the main event. So it's, there's an echo coming into play here. And that's really important. You need to understand that as we start uh, this passage. Because it feels as though in this passage, Jesus has hit a beat and that echo has started. It's just a tiny echo, if you like. It's like a, a sort of a test echo. A real echo will be a few weeks away for Jesus. Uh, but the echo has started and it will start to get louder. If you like, the effect level will be turned up uh, to maximum uh, as soon as Jesus is crucified and then resurrected. But he's clicking the technology, if you like. He's testing it out. He's starting to turn the feedback up to maximum so an echo can start to reverberate through history. And this service, this baptism and affirmation service, is part of the echo. Because if you're being baptized or affirmed today, you are joining in the echo of Jesus. It's as if you've hit that chord, and that chord is going to go on and on and on. You've probably hit that chord a while ago, and certainly if you read these fantastic testimonies, you'll see that lots of people have hit that chord a while ago, and you've joined in with the story of Jesus, and it's echoing out, and it will go on and on and on. Um, this isn't like, some people say it's like a stone being thrown into water and a ripple effect going out. This is no ripple effect, because that ripple will eventually end. This is an echo which will go on into all eternity. The feedback knob has been turned up to maximum, and it started with your testimonies, and the beats of your testimonies are going to get louder and louder as you grow, as you develop, as you shape your faith. In other words, as you travel with Jesus as his disciple, as you travel, you're going to echo out the story. And today is a really vital part of that echo. Today, the echo is going to get louder. Jesus is going to get louder. And the invitation for everyone is to join in with this echo. Is it going on still? Yeah, it's still going on. Very good. And um, the echo started very gently in this Bible passage for Jesus. It's a slow beginning, but it's really important what's going on. It's exciting, it's significant, and it's an echo which will change the world. So that's some good news. You're joining in with this great positive echo. But there's also some darker news, because right in the middle of our service today, I hesitate to say this, but right in the middle of our service is that sort of idea of death. Death is here. This passage is a sort of a funeral why, in a celebration of faith, where we're going to celebrate people's second chances, where we're going to think about people's uh, forgivenesses, um, do we have to go to a funeral tonight? Why is death part of the echo? It's gripping that um, this passage from John, which has got such splendid detail and incredible emotion coming out of it, and some important information uh, in it, that we're dealing with this dead man too, Lazarus. This dead man who was well loved by his sisters and loved by Jesus and loved by his community, somebody who died too young in our unfair world. And so we are joining his funeral. That's what's going on tonight. We're joining a funeral. At, we're at his service of remembrance, if you like. Death is in the air, 
And we all know about the stench of death because the stench of death is still here in our world as we think about Ebola or Middle East wars or rockets falling out of the sky, that terrible story yesterday. Mourning, grief and fairness, worry and fear are all about us because death does that and death is here in this service. Death rears its head in the baptism and affirmation today. Today is like a funeral. You, you can't believe it. We've all come for a celebration, and I'm talking about funerals. We, you who are going to get baptized today and affirmed are going to die. Or to put it more literally, you're not just going to die, you're going to drown. You're going to, you are going to drown because I'm doing it. But, uh, and we are at your funeral. That's what's happening. Sounds really terrible, doesn't it? But that's what baptism is. It's a death. And what's going on is... It's a death to sin. It's a death to brokenness. It's a death to going selfish ways. It's a death to the pain of past life. It's goodbye to all of that. It's farewell. It's last rites and all that. But we're not going to celebrate that death. This is not sort of a Halloween occasion which happened on Friday night. It's not full of fear and wackiness. This is no trick-or-treat terror tonight. We're going to celebrate it because all that stuff is going to be drowned. All that fear, all that sin is going to be drowned. And you're all going to be like dead Lazaruses, from which you'll hear later on in this passage, who's going to be raised back to life. It's a death from your old life into your new life. And just like the passage, that will be news of great celebration. But also, just like that passage, for some of us here in the crowd, in the congregation, it's going to be news which is confusing. This death and this resurrection of uh, Lazarus uh, might be uncomfortable. If you look in the passage a bit later on after what we've read today, the crowd reacted with joy. Then some of them reacted with confusion. Others reacted questioning when Lazarus stepped out in front of the grave. And we're all going to react to that echo going on of Jesus in different ways. Some of us this evening are going to celebrate it, and quite right too, it's a brilliant service. Some of us will ignore the echo. We'll just sit here numbly, sort of playing our part, but it won't affect us. Some of us are going to scoff at it. We'll think, this is totally irrelevant. Some of us will might even want that echo to be silenced, maybe even destroyed, because it's all a bit too much. Life would be easier without this echo going on. We all carry the story of Jesus in different ways. Some of us relate to it, and some of us reject it. But it's right here, this echo in this passage. And the reaction of the crowd was so problematic for Jesus. We read at the end of this passage, he had to sort of escape it. He had to go and hide out in a town and hang out very quietly for the next day or two, days or two. His card had been marked, and now he was in deep trouble. And the this deep trouble is going to lead to the greatest echo in history. But why did Jesus start this echo? What's going on here? What's going on um, with Mary, Martha, and Lazarus? He loved these people so much. Why is the echo starting? These were his best friends. These people got Jesus. Jesus loved them, and he wanted to honor and help them. And if we look at the passage, if we remember what, uh, has, what was uh, read to us by Roderick, you see that Jesus in this passage is arriving on this death scene. Martha is the first to see him. Wonderful Martha who's been given a bit of a bad name uh, in, in the past. She's been given a bad name because she chose to cook for Jesus rather than sit and listen to him. But here you see 
her love of Jesus in this passage is strong and it's compelling. Martha knows Jesus. She knows what he can do. And she, in her grief, needs to talk to him. And she talks in this wonderful intellectual way, if you look at uh, the passage. She has this head knowledge about Jesus, which is incredible. She knew that he could have stopped her brother dying. She'd seen the miracles. She just knew it. She knew that her brother's uh, death wasn't the end. She had the hope of heaven right in her. As you look at what she says in that passage, as she spoke about the resurrection of the last day, she also knew that Jesus was the Messiah, the Son of God. She was remarkable. She, whilst in her grief and wretched sadness, could declare that Jesus was the Son of God. And in that statement, the echo began for her. Is the echo still going? Was it being turned off? You're going to turn it up at the end? Oh, yeah, it's going. Good. So, so the echo for her had started. She was able to embrace Jesus with her mind. She'd got it and she'd worked it out. She gives us a model, I think, of approaching Jesus. If we're sat here tonight wondering, well, how do we get into Jesus? Because she used her intellect she used her thinking and her learning, and she worked him out. She'd often, she's often seen as a bit cold compared to her sister Mary, um, but she turned up the feed not, feedback knob on her echo unit to absolute maximum, and the beat started for her as she declared Jesus to be her Messiah, because Jesus met her at her intellectual level with her straightforward, inquiring mind, and she knew who he was. She hadn't experienced his immense power just yet, but she knew she was in there. The echo of Jesus' story was now in her life. She had worked it out in her head. When I first became a Christian, um, I, I sort of got friends with some quite passionate Christians who seemed to know it all. If you meet Christians who seem to know it all, worry. That's something I need to tell you. Um, but they, they seemed to know it all, and they kept on encouraging me that my faith needed to drop a foot, i.e. needed to drop from my head to my heart. They said, you just need to drop your faith uh, by a foot. And it used to be quite a popular saying, which people said here. I must say, if you look at this passage, Mary demonstrated in the most incredible faith for somebody who is a thinker rather than a feeler. Be very careful of trite statements like that. You need to drop your faith a foot from your head to your heart. We're all wired together differently. We all come together and we all approach God in a different way. And the trite sayings are often not helpful at all. You see, Martha needed to understand Jesus with her mind first to enable her echo box to start beating. For some of us here, that's the case. We're thinkers, we're not feelers. We need to work it out with our heads. Jesus, in the way he dealt with Martha, enabled her to do that. He gave her permission in her sadness to ask questions of him, to engage her mind. Jesus copes really well with intellectual examination. You see it here as he talks with Martha, and he does it still today. It's fine to have an inquiring mind. If you've got it, never be afraid to use it. It's a vital part of this passage and a vital part of following Jesus. And with Martha, we don't have this life-changing statement from Jesus when he said, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. 
Do you believe this? See, his power in that statement is communicated for all to see. He is the one who can defeat the biggest enemy of humanity, death. It's just words in these moments. He's talking to Martha. But by the end of this passage, you'll see it's a reality. The echo is started because of Martha's thinking power. Jesus is presented. His power is proclaimed. But there's more to come. And that more comes from a Mary who's a totally different kettle of fish. Look at her. In the beginning, she was so numb about Jesus coming to town. She did nothing. The one who had been keenest on Jesus in other passages in the Bible was far too upset, too angry to get up and even see him. It might not have even registered on her radar that Jesus was even in town. She couldn't be bothered. That's Martha's job to welcome him. But by verse 28, Mary's energy returned and she runs out with all her feeling and all her emotion and she clings onto Jesus' feet. And she does this in the next chapter too, but in that chapter... She washes Jesus' feet with expensive perfume, but this time it's tears which is at Jesus' feet. She had tears of utter frustration because like her sister, she knows that Jesus could have done something about it. In her emotion, she goes and lets Jesus know this. And things change. The atmosphere shifts rather than power and resurrection being the conversation. Jesus love of Mary physically moved him and he was deeply troubled and that word deeply troubled means there was a massive shift in his heart it was seismic it, it was almost as if he was he, he was so overwhelmed with sadness he could have could have been sick he wasn't we see he wept in the passage but it was a huge word which is being used to describe the grief which was in him and in these moments Mary brings out another side of Jesus. In her emotion, she brought out Jesus's vulnerable side. The resurrection and the life powerhouse is also the comforter, the one who will sit alongside in these moments. He is imminent. He's fully in the moment. He's engaged in what's happening. He's not just waiting to raise Lazarus from the dead. He is alongside Mary engaged. He's not aloof from pain. He's feeling it. And he would soon feel much more pain, the pain and difficulty of his crucifixion. But in this moment, even though he had the power to change everything, he entered into that pain and he wept with Mary. The head meets the heart. Knowledge meets emotion. Jesus is the one who draws alongside the one who understands Jesus is in the pain he sits with it he helps in it he experiences it and an emotional heartfelt echo of Mary begins the echo of inspiration to Jesus because in the emotion and conversation with Mary he's given the motivation to heal to release and to revive it takes his heart and his head. It takes belief and faith. It takes intellect and emotion. And he meets both of the sisters head on. And he cries out to the dead tomb, Lazarus, 
come out. Other translations say, rise up in your death, in your decay, come out, rise up, live again, resurrection. I love this idea of resurrection, of rising up in this moment, because obviously for Lazarus, this was a physical thing, a new reality to his life, which commences his echo of Jesus. But for us, again, it speaks very deeply. It says to us who are dead. It says to us whose hearts have just gone from us. It says to us who are struggling and finding life really hard, maybe just going through the motions. It says to us who feel dead. Or it says to us people who, who might push people away and, 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 and sort of uh, make life incredibly hard for other people and, 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 and just not live the life of which, which brings uh, joy and uh, which brings, uh, enables uh, people to be helped and to discover sort of a real life. It says to those of us who suck life out of the room maybe, rise up, change it. It doesn't need to be like this. You can change. You can come out of the tomb. You don't need to be trapped anymore. You don't need to be in that addiction anymore. You don't need to be stuck anymore. Rise up. And that's what's happening when we baptize and affirm tonight. What's happening is Jesus is saying, rise up. We're being called out of the tomb. We're being called out of our deaths. We're physically and symbolically entering into a new quality of life called resurrection. And this is a forever life where we echo Jesus. Jesus was involved in a pre-echo in this passage this evening. His pre-echo was pointing to the cross. He was echoing that there is going to be a different life ahead. Death is going to be defeated. There will be life. We tonight carry on that echo. It's an echo of hope. It's an echo of life. It's an echo of compassion, of future, of love, of joy. It's an echo which says, God has entered into my life. It's an echo which says, God understands and a God will make the, all the difference. It's an echo about a God of transformation, a God who is alive, a God who's right here in these moments. He's standing there and saying to us, all right now to rise up to leave our tombs and enter into a reality of his presence where there is hope so tonight in our baptism in our affirmation in our supporting as a friend or family member in our just being a congregation member let's remember to turn our echo levels up to maximum let's remember to turn our feedback level up to maximum. Let's turn it all the way round to 10. Let's choose to do that. And as we do that, let's also rejoice in the echo of Jesus, a Jesus who is a Jesus of the intellect and emotion, a Jesus of power and the vulnerability, a Jesus who's with us now and calling us to this wonderful life called eternity. Let's echo it out. Let's beat it out. Let's show people what it's all about. And as we do this, we'll discover, as we discover the echo of Jesus getting louder and louder, as we enjoy it and relish it, maybe 
others around us might come stumbling in to the realization that Jesus is the resurrection and the life. And they too, you too, can join in that echo. Is the echo still going? It is. Is the echo still going in your life, in our lives? Because it makes all the difference. Jesus is the resurrection and the life. Let's echo that out as we live our lives. God bless you.